Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to our time of prayer together and our scripture studies. Now, this week, we're going to have a very special prayer intention to join in together after we do our scripture lesson, and that is for the state of Ohio, for victory in Ohio in a special election scheduled for August 8th. The voting is already underway, and it's going to help protect Ohio and its constitution from the abortion industry. The abortion supporters want to have unlimited abortion in the state, and they want to do that not by passing a law, but by amending the Constitution, because they're cowards. They, they don't want to go through the legislative process. They just want to declare from on high a right to abortion that was never in the Constitution to begin with, and that, as we just learned from the Supreme Court, was never in our federal Constitution either. But that doesn't stop these fanatics. So we're going to pray uh, that uh, uh, we'll do our regular scripture lesson, but we're going to pray now for the next nine days until August 8th that um, the vote on August 8th succeeds. That's a vote to raise the threshold, to make it more difficult, in other words, to amend the Constitution, to require 60% of the votes. Right now it's just 50 plus 1. But um, the, uh, the, the, the changing it to 60 is more reasonable just in and of itself and uh, will help avoid a disaster in regard to abortion in Ohio. So we'll pray about that at the end. We have a special prayer up at prayercampaign.org. And uh, we'll invite you to uh, say that with us each day during these very important days. Okay, so let's uh, turn to the Lord now and uh, put ourselves in His presence. Ask Him for a deeper understanding of His Holy Word. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, our Father, we come before you on this day joyful in your Word. We have already received that word by our faith in Jesus Christ. We already strive to live that word each day. And today we ask you for the blessing of understanding your word even more and living it even more faithfully. We repent of all our sins. Bring us your forgiveness and mercy. Bring the gift of repentance to those sinners who are not yet uh, eager to repent. Make all of us holy and build for us, Lord God, because it is your gift. Build for us the culture of life. And show us what we do, what we must do to cooperate with you in that task. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. So we have a reading here from uh, the book of Exodus today, from the 32nd chapter. Moses turned and came down the mountain with the two tablets of the commandments in his hands. Tablets that were written on both sides, front and back. Tablets that were made by God having inscriptions on them that were engraved by God himself. Now when Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting, he said to Moses, That sounds like a battle in the camp. But Moses answered, It does not sound like the cries of victory, nor does it sound like cries of defeat. The sounds that I hear are cries of revelry. As he drew near the camp, he saw the calf and the dancing. With that, Moses' wrath flared up so that he threw the tablets down and broke them on the base of the mountain. Taking the calf they had made, he fused it in the fire, then ground it down to powder, which he scattered on the water 
and made the children of Israel drink. Moses asked Aaron, What did this people ever do to you that you should lead them into so grave a sin? Aaron replied, Let not my Lord be angry. You know well enough how prone the people are to evil. They said to me, Make us a god to be our leader. As for the man Moses who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has happened to him. So I told them, Let anyone who has gold jewelry take it off. They gave it to me, and I threw it into the fire, and this calf came out. On the next day, Moses said to the people, You have committed a grave sin. I will go up to the Lord then. Perhaps I may be able to make atonement for your sin. So Moses went back to the Lord and said, Ah, this people has indeed committed a grave sin in making a god of gold for themselves. If you would only forgive their sin. If you will not, then strike me out of the book that you have written. The Lord answered, Him only who, have sin, who has sinned against me will I strike out of my book. Now go and lead the people to the place I have told you. My angel will go before you. When it is time for me to punish, I will punish them for their sin. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, friends, this sin of idolatry, the sin of the golden calf, came about as a result of the people's impatience and lack of trust. That came first. We don't know what has happened to this man Moses. You know what happened to him. He went up to the mountain to con con commune with God. You don't know how long that's going to take. They didn't trust in the sovereignty of God. And, you know, this is so, it, it's so unwise not to trust. God tries to make it as easy as possible for us because they had just been led out of Egypt with a mighty hand. They, they had been uh, uh, seen the plagues. They saw that, that, that God struck down the firstborn of the Egyptians, but he saved them by the blood of the Lamb. And then they saw the miracle at the Red Sea, and they saw Pharaoh and his army drowned in the waters, and they got the manna from heaven. What more were they looking for before they would just trust him? What more are we looking for before we just trust him that he's accomplishing his purposes, even if his timetable is different from ours, which it usually is? It's a question of trusting the timetable here. We don't know where Moses has gone. We don't know what happened to him. Make us a God. Now, that, that's an absurd statement. Think about it. It's self-contradictory. If you make something... You are superior to that thing. You make something, it's a creature. It's not a god. A god makes you. A god is superior to you. You can't make a god. If you make a god, it's an idol. Whether it be something physical or not. You can make an idol of a relationship. You can make an idol of a, a concept, a practice. So the lack of trust, the feeling of emptiness, we need a leader, we need a God, we need something to worship. We have it already. It doesn't always feel 
the way you want it to feel. And this is a big temptation that, that is being revealed to us here in this reading. Sometimes we think we're communing with God only when we feel the way we think we should feel when we're communing with God. Sometimes we think God is with us only when things are going the way we think they should go when God is with us. Sometimes we are not sure that we're praying or that we can pray simply because we can't pray in a particular way that we might prefer. Don't be fooled by that. God is with us always, and it just takes an act of our will. Lord, I want to be with you. I'm reaching out to you. I'm striving. We talked about this uh, recently when we talked about praying. Sometimes it's, it's not words, not concepts, not feelings, just the sheer naked will to be there in the presence of God. That's a profound form of prayer. But then we get into the idolatry itself. They made this calf. And here, Aaron, Moses' brother, was in charge of the people while he was up on the mountain getting the commandments. And notice that Aaron here gives, well, Archbishop Fulton Sheen used to comment on this. He said, it's the lamest excuse in human history. And we've got to learn from this excuse because some leaders do this. He said, I threw the gold, they took the gold off the rings, I threw it into the furnace, and this calf came out. He is abdicating all responsibility. He was the leader. This calf came out. Oh yeah, all by itself. Just like that, magic. The calf came out. Things don't happen by themselves. But notice what was going through, notice the first part of the excuse, before he just make, makes up this ridiculous excuse. And you know, you, you see this in so many people in, 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 in political life. Let me just go off on a little brief example here from the political realm. We've got somebody in the White House now who can't seem to take any responsibility for any, any lack of leadership on his part. This bad economy came out. This... Withdrawal from Afghanistan came out. This problem at the southern border came out. In fact, most of the time, it doesn't even acknowledge that any of these things are problems in the first place. Total same thing as Aaron is doing here. Oh, uh, uh, they threw the gold in, uh, and this calf came out. As if things happen all by themselves without any personal responsibility. No, the leader is supposed to take responsibility. Okay. And we've got to hold leaders to responsibility. The same is true with religious leaders. But, um, but listen to how Aaron begins his excuse. He says to Moses, oh, please don't be angry. And then he says, you know well enough how prone the people are to evil. Well, true enough, Moses did know how prone they were to evil, and they were prone to evil. But Aaron uses that as an excuse. He uses the weakness of the people. He uses the tendency of the people to sin as an excuse to lead them further into sin. Now take hold of this idea because this is a failure of a lot of our leaders today. And this is why we're not making more progress on things like fighting abortion or proclaiming the gospel to the ends of the earth. You know how well enough, how prone the people are to evil. 
They said to me, make us a God to be our leader. Again, putting responsibility for his own failure at leadership back on the people he's supposed to be leading. Now, I see this all the time in certain religious leaders of today, and, 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 and I'm not talking just about clergy, but lay people also who are in positions of leadership, who are in positions where they can be inspiring people to greater virtue, inspiring them to greater action, like, for example, on behalf of pro-life, taking more, making more sacrifices, taking more initiatives, going out on a few more limbs a little farther to defend the, the most defenseless. But then they underestimate the people. In fact, they'll blame the sinfulness of the people or the tendency or weakness of the people for their own lack of leadership. In other words, I'm not going to call these people to be more virtuous because it'll be too much for them. How many times have you heard this in one way or another? It'll be too burdensome for me. They're not ready for it yet. How many times have you heard that one? Oh, I, I can't talk to them about abortion. I can't talk to them about fill in the blank. They're not ready for it yet. Well, first of all, all the people in that, sitting in that congregation are all the same. They're all at the same level of their spiritual maturity. That's question number one. Question number two is how in the world do you measure that? And question number three is even if you would presume that you did accurately measure it, what kind of timetable are you on? When are they going to be ready? And what is the sign going to be that you are going to discern that they are finally ready to hear the word of God that you've already been ordained to preach to them? Like, where, where does this timetable come from? I was ordained to the diaconate, and then I was ordained to the priesthood, and I don't remember any words in the ceremony or in the commission that I was given to preach the gospel that talked about a timetable about when the people are going to be ready to hear the Word. You're given the Word now. You're not given the... It's not late for later. And again, this is, does not only apply to those that are in the pulpits. It applies to you who are parents training up your children in the ways of the Lord. It applies to you, all of you, as you bear witness to your neighbors and your fellow believers and your fellow members of your community the time is now the word has been given to us now paul says now is the acceptable time now is the day of salvation preach the word in season and out of season whether convenient or inconvenient welcome or unwelcome preach it now because we do not know when the lord is returning we don't know how much time we have you know how prone the people are to evil so I made an idol for them. Especially when it comes to things like abortion. So many leaders are saying, oh, but they're not ready to hear it yet. Now Dobbs has opened up the door for us to protect the unborn as much as we want to protect them, even right from conception, as some states have done, because the court opened the way to that and said, we're not going to stand in the way because the Constitution doesn't stand in the way. And then we've got people say, well, we're not, uh, we're, not, we're not ready for it yet. Now, of course, you have to build up. If you're talking about passing a piece of legislation, yes, obviously, you have to build up the number of votes. You have to get those lawmakers in that legislative body, whether it's at the state or federal level, ready to vote yes, because that's the only way the thing becomes law. But the time is always right to proclaim the word 
set out the task, set out the vision, urge people and call people to achieve it. The time is always right for that. You don't say, oh, they're prone to evil or they won't listen to us. It reminds me of this ridiculous moment I had at a breakfast with some bishops from California. And oh, my goodness, it was just after a major victory had been won in that state for the defense of marriage years and years ago. And by listening to them at that sitting around that breakfast table, if you didn't know there had just been a big victory, you would have thought that there had just been a big defeat. Oh, well, you know, the more we talk about these things, the less people will listen to us, is what they were saying. Oh, no, we have to be careful not to... What's wrong with these men? It was this all over again. You know well enough how prone the people are to evil. Yeah, that's why they need a leader to lead them to good. I'm telling you, it's... It's bad. It's bad. Moses then punished the people, made them drink the golden calf. And uh, he was angry. He threw those tablets down, had to go back up and have God give him some new ones. Very symbolic, isn't it? A breaking of the commandments, literally. It's against the very first commandment. I am the Lord. You shall have no other gods besides me. Oh, that means, first of all, going back to what I said uh, led to this sin, We've got to trust him. Absolute trust. In fact, he's the only one that we, in whom we can put absolute trust, just as he's the only one to whom we can give absolute obedience. And that's part of what it means. If I alone am the Lord, then that means I alone am the one you ultimately trust for everything, the one in whom you ultimately rely for your fulfillment and for your happiness. Moses is a foreshadowing of Christ. He goes to the Lord, asking the forgiveness of their sins. Jesus is our great advocate in the presence of the Father, shedding his blood to bring us the forgiveness of sins. You see, Moses going and asking, he says, perhaps I may be able to make atonement for your sin. Now, of course, no human being can do that. Fully, only Christ Jesus, God and man, can do that. But in that very statement, don't you see a prophecy of the coming Christ? Ah, this people has committed a grave sin. Perhaps I may be able to make atonement for your sin. Well, perhaps you can do what you do. Yes, you can intercede with the Lord, and you will. And he gives you the commandments to present this living law to the people, just as Christ Jesus brings us the new commandment of love one another and all his other teachings that are embodied in that. But it is Christ then who actually achieves that atonement for sin. What a beautiful, beautiful lesson. Strong leaders. We need leaders who are not going to make excuses out of our weakness. So let's turn now to a time of prayer and intercession, focusing especially on the situation in Ohio, where, as I mentioned earlier, the pro-abortion forces are trying to amend the Constitution in order for there to be an uh, unlimited abortion in that, in that state. It would prevent good pro-life protective laws, strike down the ones that are there already, 
Ohio is not a place where most of the people want a, uh, unlimited abortion, nor is America. But the pro-abortion people don't care. They want to do this anyway. The special vote coming up now is to make it harder to change the Constitution. So we want a yes vote on August 8th. That's what we're going to pray about right now. But first, Lord, we come to you to pray for all the needs of the people who are gathered here today, those needs that have been left in the comments, uh, those needs that uh, are in the, the quiet of our hearts. Bless your people, Lord. Bless your people with health, with wisdom, with all that they need, all the graces. Lord God, we ask you to end abortion. We ask you to allow your people to, under good leadership, build on the great victories and successes that we have had with the reversal of Roe v. Wade. And Lord, this means taking the political process into our hands and shaping it for life. And Lord, we ask now as we say this prayer that victory may unfold in Ohio and that this effort to change the Constitution in the wrong direction may be stopped. Lord God, help your people to set up a, a barrier to slow this effort down, to protect life and to protect the Constitution. Let's pray for victory in Ohio. Lord of life and Father of all, we thank you for the great victories that you have brought us as we work to protect the unborn and their moms and dads and families from the violence of abortion. Lord, as your people now have more opportunity to shape abortion policy in each state, we see many states restoring protection to our unborn brothers and sisters. We also see abortion forces attempting to expand abortion and even declare it a right under their state's constitution. Lord, we pray today for victory in Ohio. As we work to protect its constitution from those who want to impose a policy of unlimited abortion. We pray in particular for the special election of August 8th, for which the voting is already underway. We pray that the voters will have the wisdom to approve the provision that would make it harder to amend the Constitution by raising the threshold to 60%. As a result of this, Lord God, we pray that the citizens of Ohio will have an even greater appreciation of the importance of their Constitution of the impact of amending it, and of the need to require strong consensus among the people before changing their most fundamental governing document. Lord, bring victory to the yes vote on August 8th, so that it will be more difficult for promoters of abortion to change the Ohio Constitution later into a ticket to unlimited abortion. May your people speak up for what is right, take action for what is just, and make the sacrifices necessary to preserve the sanctity of life and family. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. And now let's pray in the words that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. 
Let's pray to Mary, the mother of life, especially for Ohio. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Friends, you can find this special prayer for Ohio at prayercampaign.org. That's where we have all our prayer campaigns, and you'll see uh, the prayer there. You can download it, prayercampaign.org. Thanks for your participation. Reach out to the people that you know in Ohio and join us each day. Now we'll have this novena of prayer together with the lessons that we unpack from the scriptures, especially as they relate to our overarching duty to protect the most vulnerable human beings, the children in the womb. Thank you for your part in doing that. I'm pro-life leader Frank Pavone, director of Priests for Life, and we will talk to you soon. Hello, this is Father David Begany, one of the many members of Priests for Life. This organization is one of the largest and most visible pro-life ministries in the world. Priest, the Priest for Life team relies on your financial support to be able to do its work, produce its programs, and travel the world to advocate for the unborn. May I ask you to support Priest for Life generously? Go today to prolifegift.org and give us as generous a gift as you can. Thank you for your kindness and be assured of our prayers for you every day. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.